30, 35, 40, he's the midfield, and they'll never catch The Show Me Your News Network proudly presents Down the Sidelines. And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers, you may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast, it's Peter Spasia and Joel Orndorff. Welcome back to the Gridiron. I'm Peter. And Down the Sidelines is the sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world. We are part of the Show Me Your News Network, and this is the 84th episode of the podcast on December 19th, 2014. The number 84 most famously worn by Shannon Sharp, a tight end most you know, known for playing with the Denver Broncos. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion, he's a Hall of Famer, and he was apparently the first tight end to amass over 10,000 receiving yards. Uh, eight-time Pro Bowler. You have a couple other well-known athletes who wore the number 84. You had Randy Moss. Ooh, that's a, I would argue like he would be a, maybe a more well-known one. I mean, Randy Moss is going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. You know, not as decorated a Super Bowl champion as Shannon Sharp, and certainly not a, well, he's making his own as a television analyst. He's doing some work there for Fox Sports, where Shannon Sharp was on CBS for quite some time. And then you also had Chris Webber, who had you know some career in the NBA, but also known at Michigan for being part of the college basketball scandal in the early 90s. Anyway, Joel is off today. Uh, it's been a weird week. I've been in Austin, and then you know, we've had different things, you know, grad parties he's attending, and holiday parties for work so so I'm gonna go ahead man you know sit this one out and I've got this one because this has been an interesting week in sports as I am an alumnus of the University of Michigan uh, if you've been listening to the show you know that it's been a very difficult college football season now fortunately athletic director David Brandon he resigned and football coach Brady Hoke was soon out the door as well so now the University of Michigan is looking for a new head football coach and where would they turn to but the football coach that everyone could possibly want on their team. Uh, this would be the home run hire. But as you know, we'd been talking, uh, you know, it's, it's possible, not likely, but possible that Jim Harbaugh of the San Francisco 49ers currently eventually makes a decision to come back to college football where he you know, made his fame at Stanford, but he is an alum as well of the University of Michigan. And so the the pressure is on to try to recruit Jim Harbaugh as head coach of the University of Michigan over there in Ann Arbor. But this past week we learned that I think the University of Michigan did the right thing. Uh, they put the offer on the table. Whether they publicly put it out there or some source leaked it out there, whether or not they want that out there, it's out there. The terms reportedly are six years for $49 million would make him the highest paid head coach in college football. Now, Nick Saban over at Alabama makes about $7 million a year. Uh, to put Jim Harbaugh over eight, that's bold. It's bold. And I think it's the right thing to do that. You can't go and do a search, however quick it may last, and say, oh, we're going to end up with, say, David Cutcliffe from Duke. And then everyone's like, well, well, did you try Harbaugh? And they could say, well, yeah, we tried it, but he wasn't interested. No, no, no. You got to make Jim Harbaugh publicly decline that offer to at least appease the you know alumni, appease 
the college football fans at the University of Michigan because you have to put forth that effort. It's all part of the business. And now that the offer's out there, I'm so torn because, of course, Harbaugh would be the home run hire. I mean, who wouldn't be? I mean, Les Miles apparently came out and said that he won't be the coach at Michigan, and who knows if that's going to be, you know, a just something that he has to say for LSU as they go into a bowl game. But when it comes to Harbaugh, and you have possibly NFL teams that are going to court him, I'm glad that Michigan put the offer out there. I just hate the game that now ESPN and other media markets are starting to play. Oh, there's this report that his family and friends are encouraging Jim Harbaugh to go to Michigan, but Jim is torn because his heart's in the NFL. Or we have this report here and this report, and it's playing with my hopes. I hate it. But it's got to be done. You know, Start the process. I'm, I'm glad the offer's there, as I've said. But it's just playing this dumb game now, and we're probably at least two weeks away from a possible resolution. You have to wait until the NFL season over. Yes, Jim Harbaugh's 49ers were mathematically eliminated from playoff contention in the NFC this past week. But the season is not over. He still has a commitment to that football team. And once the NFL season's over, yeah, you're going to have other NFL teams try to make offers. There's talk about the Oakland Raiders possibly trading like a third-round pick or something else for Jim, and that would make it easy for him. He stays in the Bay Area with his family. 49ers uh, you know, could try to counteroffer, but they don't have much. Now, the Raiders might even sweeten the pot a little bit. There's talk of maybe they have him do the coach and GM thing. I think it would be a very difficult thing to do. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh is a very competitive person. He might be up for the challenge. Um, You also have the New York Jets, who might possibly be catering to Harbaugh's interests. Uh, That'd be a big market, a big spotlight. Uh, You know, who knows? It's it's really unfortunate because Rex Ryan has done so much over there in New York with all the AFC championships they went to earlier in his tenure. But (laughs) the GM has really done him no favors in, as far as talent acquisition. He just doesn't have the talent on that team, Rex Ryan. He's going to be a scapegoat for it. That's really unfortunate there. But, you know, they're going to try to make some moves there. There's talk of, you know, there's now unsettled situations in Chicago, and will Mark Tressman be there after two years? So the NFL is, is interesting for Har- Harbaugh, I'm sure. I mean, he was so close to a Super Bowl championship, and that's probably something he still wants to do. But Michigan's trying to come at him with the angle of come on home, save our university, save our our football program. And it's not as easy as it sounds, I think, with that. I would have a fear that if Michigan did hit the home run higher, obviously it would be a a huge story. It would be a big get for the University of Michigan. But then that makes the Big Ten quite the player. Because you have this triangle. It's not really even a triangle. It's more like a crooked line, in a way, with... Mark D'Antonio at East Lansing. Michigan State's not going anywhere. You have Urban Meyer down south at Ohio State. And if you added Jim Harbaugh to the mix in Ann Arbor at Michigan, that is quite the trifecta of you know cocky, smug coaches. And it would be brilliant to watch, especially considering with the current Big Ten alignment of how they're all in the same division. So... It just, this, the spot has started to become stirred. And I do like that the Michigan offer is out there. So Harbaugh will have to publicly decline it if he is not interested. 
I think he very well could use that offer from Michigan as leverage for an NFL team if he sticks with his gut and says, you know, I'm going to stay in the NFL, which I highly expect him to do. If I were to predict who Michigan's head coach will end up being, I think I'd be happy with David Shaw, who is a Stanford coach currently, kind of a Jim Harbaugh protege. As I mentioned on a past episode, it'd be interesting because it'd be the first black head coach that the University of Michigan has had as a football coach. And I think he would kind of fit that form in case they don't get the Harbaugh hire. Um, But it's very possible that they will end up with an underwhelming hire in terms of the fans. And the fans have high expectations. They really do. Unreasonably high, even. I'll be the first to admit that. But this is the same hiring firm that ended up hiring Brady Hoke about four years ago, four or five years ago, whatever it was. And we'll see if they actually have the swing and the persuasion to be able to land a hire like Jim Harbaugh. It's been the big story the past few weeks, and it's strange to see my university, my alma mater, in the the spotlight like this. It's just the worst when ESPN starts reporting these stories and toying with my hopes and my heart, and I just don't like that at all. So I can't wait for all that to be over, but I would certainly be very pleased if Jim Harbaugh decided to come on home to Ann Arbor. The other quick hit in a slow sports week uh, was an NBA trade that, you know, Rajon Rondo, formerly of the Boston Celtics, has been on the trading block in a way for a couple years now. And there's always talk of, like, he might end up with Sacramento Kings. Oh, the Detroit Pistons are interested in Rajon Rondo. You know, the Celtics would be looking to kind of finally clear house of their, you know, championship team and then just stack all these draft picks and build young talent that way. So Rajon Rondo finally did get traded, and the Dallas Mavericks ended up being the suitor that was selected. A very interesting trade in that, you know, Rajon Rondo, along with rookie power forward Dwight Powell, went from Boston to Dallas in exchange for center Brandon Wright. Jameer Nelson, who, you know, had his career most famously known with the Orlando Magic, uh, Jay Crowder, who's a small forward, and then they get a first and second round pick uh, for next year's draft. So this is this is pretty good for Boston in that you know they get the more draft picks. I would have imagined that you know they should have gotten some more actual talent, but they seem to just be. It's almost like the 76ers. Like just no, no, I can't even say that. It's not even on the same level. The 76ers are so bad. The Detroit Pistons are so bad. You know, the Boston Celtics can at least win some games here and there, but they're thinking for the future. They're not thinking, you know, getting players right now. Dallas, however, is trying to make a power move because if you look at their starting five, it's quite the lineup. And some are saying, oh, they they become title contenders with this move. I mean, you got to have Rajon Rondo fit in with the chemistry. That's that's all fine and good. And you still have the Golden State Warriors, who are 22-3, and three, I think. That's an amazing start. They you know, lost uh, at a road game to Memphis, who then also went on the very next night and beat the uh, San Antonio Spurs, which apparently that was the first time that a team had beaten a team with the best record in the NBA and then the defending NBA champion on following nights since like the 2001 Milwaukee Bucks. So that's really tough to do. Uh, and you know, Memphis playing big, you know, just playing big, power forward, uh, traditional power forward in, in Zach Randolph. So 
you're going to have you know Blake Griffin and Tim Duncan as you know for the Clippers and Spurs respectively. That could possibly thwart the small ball quick game of the Golden State Warriors, but the Warriors are looking at it a very hot start. Now you're looking at the Mavericks, though, who just acquired Rajon Rondo, and they're starting five uh, pretty strong. So you have Rondo at the point, Monte Ellis, who is having his best you know year in his career probably over at the two, Dirk Nowitzki, your power forward, uh, Chandler Parson is your three, and Chandler Parsons you know can shoot the three from the three, and then your center is uh, Tyson Chandler. So Rondo, Ellis, Nowitzki, Parsons, Chandler, and you know sorry Parsons. If you want to go one, two, three, four, five, whatever. But that's a pretty good starting five. Now the question is the depth, and I'm surprised that they almost went for Rondo because as far as just general depth and talent at point guard, Devin Harris, JJ Barea, and Raymond Felton. Now not any standouts at point guard, so you know Rondo does make that crew better. But you at least have the depth there. Uh, Charlie Villanueva, Richard Jefferson. Some of the names in the overall depth, but you know, you also have some smaller names. Uh, you know, people are saying like it, they could help contribute to a possible title run for the Mavericks. I think you still got to get past the Spurs when it comes down to it in the playoffs. And Popovich, they got one last big run in them at least, as long as Tim Duncan keeps playing along with Parker and Ginobili, uh, because that team is just loads and loads of playoff experience. And the Thunder just keep having a, a disappointing year, and it all starts with uh, keeping Kevin Durant healthy, who is out again tonight with an, with an ankle injury, I think. I mean, it's just been a rough year keeping Durant healthy. Oh, I don't know, is it is it the NBA 2K15 curse? Ooh, I, I don't know. Um I mean, so, you know, a significant basketball story, you know, for a, a regular season that is generally not as interesting. Uh, as far as college basketball goes, you know, no crazy upsets like those two Big Ten games last week. That was ridiculous. The NHL, Sidney Crosby had the mumps? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who gets the mumps anymore? I guess Crosby does. And there's that 20-round shootout game between the Washington Capitals and Florida Panthers. That was something. Uh, you know, people don't like the shootout. I get it, but it's fun for me to watch. But as long as it yeah, doesn't drag out like that, that's a, a bit much. A little crazy. Uh, Marcus Mariota winning the Heisman. I, I know it was something we should you know have almost opened the show with, but because it was almost a foregone conclusion at that point. He gave a really nice speech, but it was the second highest, you know, most lopsided victory for the Heisman Trophy in, in the modern era. In that, you know, they calculate all the possible points that you can get. And he had about like 90.5% of those total possible points. I mean, just shy of Troy Smith in 2006 for that Heisman candidacy. So Mariota's looking like he could very well be the number one pick. And if a team like the New York Jets end up in that number one spot, could land there. Um, But yeah, otherwise you're going to have eventually bowl games here as soon as this. Oh no, we could have a show before Christmas. And all that. Right, we'll, we'll see what happens with our, our holiday break because it's going to be the last week of the NFL season next week, which is always kind of strange how it falls right around Christmas, right? Uh, in baseball, you know, the, the trades start to continue and free agency and whatnot. You still have no news on Max Scherzer and James Shields, the two big pitching prospects still left. But the San Diego Padres are starting to move. They're making some moves. We talked about Matt Kemp going there, and you know, that finally went through after. Uh, some physical issues with his hips or whatever. I guess he's got all some old lady hips. But they just added uh, Justin Upton from the Braves. So, you know, broke up Justin and BJ Upton, those brothers in Atlanta. 
And then there's also talks that they might be going after uh, Red Sox third baseman Will Middlebrooks, who is pretty talented, but you know, just didn't get the job done. And when you have Pablo Sandoval now in Boston, Will Middlebrooks' is, you know, services could be used elsewhere. So the San Diego Padres making moves this baseball offseason. How about that? Now let's recap the past week in the NFL. It was week 15, and we started in the AFC East with Miami at New England, minus 7.5. Wasn't even close. New England's looking like one of the best teams in the league right now, which is very balanced on offense and defense. They really can do it all, a 41-13 showing, and that just that game was not even close. But speaking of not close, that was Cincinnati at Cleveland, minus one. Almost a toss-up game in the pick'em and the points, but Johnny Manziel did not have a good showing at all for his first start. I mean, that long line of Cleveland Browns starters since their... You know, team's re-inception at the beginning of the, to the 2000s there. Uh, that long quarterback jersey list continues. What, a QBR of like one? I don't know how Johnny Manziel could have been worse. And granted, the whole team had a pretty piss-poor effort at home against the division-leading Bengals. But still, Johnny Manziel, you got to play better. You know, use some of that dynamic ability that you have. And if the offensive line isn't blocking, I get it. But uh, we'll see if he can continue to get better or just struggle along and be a bust. 30 to nothing, the Bengals. Very impressive showing. Denver Broncos at San Diego Chargers, uh, plus four. Now, I was picking up the, this one just because well, when I went on a trip last year, the Chargers pulled that surprise upset at home. Not the case. Broncos 22 to 10. And. Denver is just continuing to be a very good team. They'll challenge New England for the AFC, though. I think if they matched up again right now, I mean, New England probably, probably get home. Even if New England was on the road, I'd take the Patriots the way they're playing right now. I mean, Denver is solid, but you don't want to mess with the Patriots right now. Just like another team you don't want to mess with is the Seattle Seahawks. They're really hitting their championship stride. Uh, they hosted the San Francisco 49ers this past week. 17-7, just met the minus 10 spread now you know normally in betting if it ties you know you don't deal the points but that's not how we do things on our show so if you just barely gets the cover it ties the cover whatever that accounts for your selection dallas at philadelphia i mean demarco murray breaks his hand gets surgery he's going to try to play through it because dallas is you know in control of their own destiny in the nfc east and that was a big game win. I mean, if Philadelphia won that one, they'd be you know, in the clear with that tiebreaker for sure over the Cowboys. But now the Cowboys have that slight edge over the Eagles. Uh, winning on the road, despite the minus three advantage that Philadelphia had, 38-27 for the Cowboys. And then New Orleans at Chicago. Uh, Joel and I both picked the Bears because you think like they just... They needed a win at home. New Orleans not the same team on the road. I mean, the the Saints had a plus three advantage on the road, favored by a field goal. And Chicago could not do anything. It was a miserable game by the Bears. Jay Cutler continues to turn the ball over and appear to be worse and worse. So bad that they're starting Jimmy Clausen this week. Yeah, Jimmy Clausen from Notre Dame who played in his rookie year in Carolina. That was in 2010. He has not started an NFL game since then. 
And they're going to take on that Detroit Lion defense who they win, they get a playoff spot. That would be pretty big for the local Detroit Lion team where I'm at. But yeah, 31-15, to New Orleans on the road. They got to they gotta keep winning if they want to get that playoff spot in the dreadful NFC South. And hey, I don't know, keep my Super Bowl prediction at the beginning of the year alive. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it, it's not looking good when I was saying that the Saints would beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl after getting the teams in the Super Bowl right the past couple years. But we'll see how that comes together. Anyway, I ended up being 3-3 three and three in the NFL. I mean, that San Diego pick, that was just more in, in kind of being jest. And then Joel, we, we differed on that one, and he got a 4-2 and two NFL pick last year. So I do have Joel's picks here, but I've also made my own separately. And so for week 16 of the NFL, let's get right to it. The Detroit Lions do take on the Chicago Bears, plus 8.5. I almost think it could be more. I mean, the mess that Chicago is in right now, Jimmy Clausen is a starting quarterback. If Detroit shuts down Matt Forte, I think they'll be okay. However, there's a dangerous precedent to this because Detroit ends up losing to teams that they should not lose to, and in addition to the teams that could very well beat them. But a few years ago, remember Matt Flynn? Yeah, he signed big money and. Was it Seattle? No, Oakland, Seattle, one of those two teams. It was because he put on a very impressive performance as a backup that Detroit should have gone into Lambeau Field and won for the first time since 1991. And, oh, geez, we'll talk about that matchup next week. That's going to be, you know, for the NFC North in a place that Detroit hasn't won in years. But then, what, Matt Flynn a few years ago as a backup in Green Bay goes and torches them for, like, six touchdowns. So you think that there is the possibility that with all of the mess that Chicago has, they could come out playing inspired at home and at least keep it close with Detroit. I think just the Lions need to go in there and take care of business. Now, they need to not look forward too much to the game against Green Bay in Green Bay next weekend, but they have to just lay that foundation. So I think Detroit ends up covering the 8.5 on the road, and so does Joel. I agree with him on that one. Atlanta at New Orleans, minus six for the Saints. Now, this is essentially going to be you know, pretty much paving the way for the NFC South title. I mean, those two teams are, I think, six and eight right now. Six and eight. I mean, my goodness. Well, we had the, the Seahawks a few years ago when they went into the playoffs at seven and nine, hosting the playoff game and then beating the Saints, who were really favored that year. Uh But I'm going to go with the Saints. And I'm going to say a touchdown covers the six. Atlanta just hasn't been too impressive. And I'm going to take that Mercedes-Benz Superdome environment. They're going to treat it like a playoff atmosphere down there. It's really important. It's for the division, essentially. So I'm going to take the Saints. And Drew Brees, who was my MVP pick, I believe, at the beginning of the year, to cover the six points. And Joel says the same as well. Now, a game that Joel, I think, would have a little more vested interest in is the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field. Minus three in favor of the Steelers at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to go with Kansas City. And I think it's mostly because I had Kansas City as a wildcard team. And that AFC playoff chase is going to be very tight there. Uh, Just a lot of teams getting to be bunched up and... 
I don't know. I, I like I like the Chiefs in this one. I, you know, Pittsburgh is playing up and down all year. They've been known to put together good games, so it would not surprise me if they do so because Joel has them covering the three and winning because I know he wants them to get a playoff spot. That'd be that'd be good to you know get back to that tradition for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I'm going to take Kansas City mostly because I'd, I'd like to kind of get my prediction a little bit closer to being correct. But I think it's, it's a good team, and you, know, you might have some injury struggles, but. I think Kansas City has enough guts to find a way there. But yeah, Joel says that it'll be the Steelers covering the three at home. Here's the big one, though. Dallas coming off of that big win against Philadelphia, hosting the Indianapolis Colts. And the Dallas Cowboys are favored by three and a half at home. Now, this is the real question. They've been perfect on the road this year. That's crazy. But with Jerry World and everything, not as good. So I'm going to go with... Dallas. I think Dallas, you know, this isn't a year where they're going to necessarily fall apart. And you may have issues with, you know, DeMarco Murray with that broken hand. And he may be limited in only doing so much. But I think this is a year. You can't just go like, oh, and say they're going to just fall apart like every year. I don't think this year is necessarily the case. Indianapolis has been looking beatable the past few weeks. And while they are a good team, they have clinched an AFC South playoff spot. They will be in the playoffs. But I think they're looking a little vulnerable. Maybe they rest up a little bit. Maybe they just you know coast a bit going into the playoffs. Dallas is still fighting for their playoff spot. They need this game. They really, really do. So minus three and a half. You could say that it'll be only like a field goal game. I, I could possibly see that because Joel is taking the Colts, and you know maybe he might like Andrew Luck to you know be firing the ball down the field on what we thought was going to be a very bad Dallas Cowboys defense early in the year, but they've actually done rather well. So, I am going to take the Cowboys. Joel's taking the Colts. Minus three and a half for the Cowboys at home at 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, the Seattle Seahawks, who've just been incredibly hot as a team, going to Arizona. Very, very interesting. Now, the Arizona Cardinals currently in place for the best record in the NFC. If they lock this one up, it could mean home field advantage. It's Sunday night football. 8.30 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I think Seattle's just playing too well. You know, it's a difference when, you know, Seattle and San Francisco have that big rivalry and they could possibly try to keep it close. I don't think Arizona is that tested yet to face this kind of championship football caliber team right now. Seattle is a buzzsaw. And yeah, if it were at home, easily cover the nine. I have a little more hesitation to say cover the nine on the road, but the way the Seahawks are playing right now, I'm going to take them. I'm taking them to beat Arizona, who, you know, Drew Stanton is down. Like They lost another quarterback, and that's also the issue why this spread is nine. Because who are they going to have? I mean, Ryan Lindley is starting for the Arizona Cardinals. And yeah, you have Logan Thomas, who has a very good skill set, you know, with his time at Virginia Tech. So you never know. It, anything's possible, I suppose, but... Not against that Seattle team. If Arizona pulls that off, that would be surprising. And then they would be very deserving of that you know best record in the NFC and the home field advantage and all that. Absolutely. Monday Night Football is going to be an interesting one, though, because it's the Denver Broncos who, I believe they've also locked up the AFC West. And Cincinnati at home trying to you know stay the lead in that AFC North, which is... Remarkably close with the Steelers and the Ravens tied right behind their tail. I'm going to go with Denver. And so is Joel. Uh, 
you know, Peyton Manning, just, you got to trust Peyton Manning, I think. Versus Andy Dalton, yeah, it's, I don't think this, the Bengals have that defined home field advantage yet. And I know Denver's going to be gearing up for a playoff run. Uh, they're also a very good team. Not, I, I don't think to the level of where the Patriots and the Seahawks are right now. But, you know, Seattle, Cincinnati is going to be a good team. They're, they might, you know, threaten a game or so in the playoffs. Not what I said at the beginning of the year, of course. But Denver, I think, is in that, you know, starting the playoff drive position. And so Joel and I have them covering the three and a half on a, the road to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. And that does it for this episode. I know it's a shorter one, but when I'm the only one talking, it just it moves right along. Hopefully it was entertaining for you to listen to, though, as I recap the latest sports news, the NFL games, and then predict this week's NFL games. Now, as we said, next week, whenever we decide to, to schedule that one with, hopefully you have a wonderful holiday season with you and your family, uh, we'll try to see how we fit that one in, because... You know, with family coming over and company coming over, it'll, it'll be a, an interesting time. But it's the last week in the NFL season, so we got to talk about that. And then we'll get back to our every other week schedule. So that will be interesting. With that, I am Peter. Hope you enjoyed the week in sports. Happy holidays.